Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Thursday morning. Let's see if I can do the Haftorah in time for it to get out overseas. As always, complaining. Today's uh, talk, today's podcast on Haftorah. It's been covered, be sponsored by the Asmans, by Moshe Asman, who uh, says over here, told me, it's his grandfather's yard, it's actually grandfather grandmother. If you're old Baltimore, which I'm sure many listeners are not, you remember the old Asmans Bakery <laughs> in the old neighborhood. I remember it very well. And Moshe's grandparents, whose yard site both this week, interesting, 14th and 17th of Tevez, interesting. Uh, well, European Jews, like my parents, they came to this country. They had a famous kosher bakery. Eventually, you combined two bakeries together. Uh, the old Mr. Asin was a very good friend of my father. Many fond memories. And Baltimore's always had a good line of kosher bakeries, reliable kosher bakeries. Anyway, I appreciate the uh, sponsorship, as always, in the Shalom Shalom Let's take a look at the Parsha Torah today, which is very famous and very cynical. The area of Machiavelli. King David is about to die. His last words are, kill my enemies. <laughs> kill Yob and kill Shimei. It's a, a pretty remarkable, right? Um, if I, when I have a very good student, sometimes, over the years, I'll give him an assignment. Uh, I'll give it to a boy or girl. Write a uh, good essay on the very complicated relationship between David and Yoav. David and Joab. Yoav, of course, is the nephew of King David. And became his top general. But they had an up and down relationship. And um, now at the end of his life, David is saying to the young Shlomo, first he gives him a, that's today's Haftorah. He gives him a few pseudonyms about be from. Although it's always strange to me. He doesn't say be from like the Misilsi Sharm because Ravona Shalom runs the world. Abbas Hashem is the number one quality to pursue. You know, like the Baal Shem Tov, you look for Dvekas. He says, if you want to hold on to the throne, you better stay from. Okay? You and I, the Davidic dynasty, we got a good deal going. God has chosen us to be kings of Israel, but always with a Tanai. You understand? You have to grow up. Ordinarily, a boy wouldn't become king at 12. Ordinarily, you would have had your teen years. You, my son, are not going to have any teen years. You're going to have to become an adult at the age of 12. That's a bummer. Right? You're 12, but now you're going to have to become 25, you know? And the first thing I'm telling you is don't go off to Derech. And so forth. Um, and he says, for two reasons. The language is very interesting. You'll look at it yourself if you want. In order that you'll have Seichel in all that you do. In other words, Taskil is one of those, Haskalah is an interesting verb. You'll discern. And what David is basically saying is, you need Siata Deshmai as a king to properly discern things. So if you are Shamartis, Mishmer Hashem, Laleches Bidrochov, and all that kind of stuff, Lishmor, Mitzvosov, Kakosov, Bistowers, Moshe, 
Then Then you'll make the right decisions as we would use in modern language. And wherever you turn will be the right move. Because it's very easy as a leader or any responsible position to make mistakes. And I want you to do this to keep up our family monopoly over here. Because God told me, If you stay from and your children stay from, Then you'll have an exclusive. This is uh, King David's reference, of course, to the famous promise that was given him earlier in the book of Samuel, Shmuel Beis, where basically, and here you have a a lot of Rishonim differ on this sort of thing. I always call it Rambam versus Ramban. The Rambam basically says, you know, at the end, end of Mishnah Torah, that King David was given um, a guarantee, uh, an insurance policy, but not an exclusive. And the Ramban, by contrast, says that King David was also given an exclusive. According to Rambam, if you look it up, you'll see. Uh, anybody could become king if God chooses them. And once they do, then it's on a Tanai. Uh, if you don't screw up, you'll stay king, and your children after you, by the way. But if you do, you'll be wiped out. So, you can have a guy walking down the street, and your bunch for whatever reason, choose him to be king. And let's say the guy's king, I'm just making this up for 20 years. And he's a Shomer Shabbos, a Shomer Mitzvah, and so forth and so on. So he's a king. He has all the Zechusim of king. And when he dies, his son succeeds him. And same story. So it could go to a father, a son, a grandfather, a grandson, a great-grandson. Could be. If the great-great-grandson, in this scenario I'm laying out, messes up and becomes an idol worshiper, or we say today, now I'm from, or something like that, wiped out. The whole family be destroyed. They'll be exterminated. Right? That's the deal. It's like riding in the races, you know? If, if you don't want to take a risk, don't get in the, in the racing car. On the other hand, David, according to the Rambab, was promised, you'll be king always, and even if any of your children or grandchildren or descendants screw up, they personally won't be have the right to be kings or something, but the family will not lose it. They'll never be exterminated. That's just interesting, right? I, today, we don't know who's really from Dover. Many people say they are. There's no way of proving it, as I've said over and over again, but many people say they are. In fact, my mother has a thing like that also. So, okay. Uh, now, I my point is, therefore, Dover has an insurance policy that even if they mess up, they won't be wiped out, whereas others will. The Ramban, by contrast, says that Dover was given an exclusive you and you alone have the right to be kings. Anybody else that does it will be interloper and they'll be doomed from day one. And uh, this is Ramban, by the way, in Pasha Vaychitz, in this week's Pasha. On, uh, it's a very famous Ramban. On Lo Yosef Shevim Yehuda Mechokik Mibain Raglov Ad It's often quoted in the context of the Maccabees because the Hashanahim eventually were all exterminated and the Ramban blames that on the fact that they took a Malucha. It's a very famous Ramban. But others don't agree with that. Now, the language over here sounds a little bit not like I just said. Because David says to his son that uh, I want you to be from, 
Laman Yaki Mashem is Dvoro, so God will keep his word, which was Im Yishmur Banecha Lolechas Lafonai, if your kids stay from Lo Yikores Lacha Ishmi Al Kisi Yisro. It's an ambiguous language, isn't it? It could mean your family won't be wiped out, or it could mean that individual person will be wiped out, but the family won't lose it. So basically, he's telling a 12 year old boy, if you stay from, you'll stay king. If you don't stay from, you won't be king. Right? What's fascinating is, according to Chazal, not in the Gemara, but according, I'm not in the in the Tanakh, but in the Gemara, the, uh, Shlomo was kicked off the throne uh, with the Ashmadai stories and all that later on. You don't see that at all in the Tanakh, nothing. But you do see it, as many know, in the Agadah So, uh, was he permanently kicked off? That's a machlokis in the in the Chazal. Some say he was a head yet, coin head yet means that he was kicked off the throne permanently. Say he was Yikar Sochal Ishmael Kis Israel, and others say he was a a Melech head yet Melech. So he ended up getting back on the throne. So it's a very complicated sort of story. Keep in mind when you're reading the Haftarah. Then once he says those opening lines, in other words, you think David Melech, being such a from guy, would have a whole long Parsha, like in Tehillim, and saying, don't forget Hashem, Avas Hashem, Yeres Hashem, Dveikus, Madregas, all that stuff. But it's pretty, pretty curt. He says, you know, stay from so you stay on the throne. And then, bump off Yoav and Shimi. And so on and so forth. Now, the, to my mind, the relationship between Dov and Yoav is very complicated and very fascinating. Right? Obviously, uh, Yoav was David's general and seems to have been indispensable during the king's lifetime. But here you have very cynical politics, like I say, a Machiavellian situation, which I'm going to be gone soon. We don't need Yoav anymore. Now we don't need Yoav. Kill him. <laughs> right? When I was king, I needed him. That's how it goes. Now, Yoav killed, I think you know the story, I'm assuming you know. Yov killed Avner, and he killed Amasa, among others. These were two Jews. He also killed a lot of Gain. Avner, he killed at a time, it's very complicated, the story, where Avner had been the commander-in-chief under Saul, and when Shaul died, and Jonathan was also killed in the battle by the Philistines, the Mount Gilboa. So, the one left standing was Saul's son, Ishbosheth. The name itself tells you what kind of a guy he was. And even though he was a wimpy type of person, Avner stood behind him. And the, Avner was considered a great patriot. And um, the tribes all listened to Avner. And therefore, David, once Shaul was dead, could not get himself elected as king of Kal Yisrael, which is immensely frustrating. David had been anointed by Shmuel. So in other words, God picked David. That didn't mean nothing to the tribes. We don't want him. The, the best proof they don't want him is that they voted for Mamash, a loser, over a guy like David. Consider. David was uh, 33 when Saul died. And that's what they say. Right? And, well, let me just get this straight. David was 30 when Saul died. He was 30. And he was already a winner. He killed Goliath. He organized an army of 600 men. He defeated the Amalekites. He took the 204 skin. I mean, you know, he showed himself to be a god of a rabba. Um, certainly no slouch. By contrast, Ishboshes was an Ishboshes. So you'd think if I was a 
leader of the tribe of Reuben, Shimei, Socher, Zuan, whatever, I say, who should be the next king? This David, I mean, he's got what it takes in terms of leadership ability, executive ability. Ishboshes, by contrast, is just Ishboshes. In spite of what I just said, all the Shvatim, except for the tribe of Judah, voted for Ishboshes. That is what you call a vote of no, non-confidence in David. <clears throat> it really bothered him. It almost bothered him, which I understand. And therefore, for seven years, we're told, from the age of 30 to 37, that was a very uncomfortable situation. He claimed the throne. He claimed literally the divine right of kings. And yet, in spite of what he said, the tribes would not vote for him. And he wanted to be elected freely, because otherwise it's technished. And it took him seven years for that to happen. And it only happened after Isposhus was assassinated. You get it? So when there was nobody left, Shaul was gone, Yonason was gone, Isposhus was gone, and so on and so forth. Then when they had nobody left, the tribes turned to David and elected him after he signed the Magna Carta promising not to be a tyrant. You look it up, you'll see. Which is really, let's put it this way, very hard on the ego, you get it? I mean, since you're the only girl left in town, let's go out on a date. <laughs> right? As, as not a picker-upper, you see? And uh, that's what I think is worried about his popularity all the way through. And one of the things that, in David's mind, hurt his uh, popularity was the story that, uh, because of a certain incident during those seven years I just described, Avner, who was the power behind the throne of Ishboshes, indicated that he was willing to cut a deal with David. In which case, Avner was basically saying, I'll get the tribes to shift their support and they'll vote for you, peacefully, and you'll make me prime minister or head of the army or something like that, as I was under Saul. And David was ready to jump at the deal because his, his main goal was to be freely elected by the tribes, and here's a guy who can deliver it. And it's true that David and Avner had bad blood from Shmuel Aleph. I would remind you, if you're interested, if you look at Tehillim, David said, writes in Tehillim about Avner, The tzaddik, meaning, meaning me, David, <laughs> will be happy when I see vengeance when I bathe my feet in your blood. Oh, that's very Middle Eastern. Right? It's in Tehillim. So David and, and Avner had bad blood, but it's politics. And politics is, that was yesterday, but today, things are different. Yoav, for his own reasons, couldn't get over it and killed Avner. And David was horrified by this. I don't know if he's horrified over the death of Avner, but he's horrified, at least as I understand it, because this was going to kill his prospects of being elected king and his popularity. It's only because Ishboshes was subsequently assassinated. As I said before, he was the only game left in town. The tribes went for him. Here we are, 35 years later, David is dying and he still remembers this kind of stuff. Now, all do, when, when, when the elf killed Avner, David said like this, I wasn't behind it. And he says, I washed my hands of this and Yoav is, is guilty and Yoav should drop dead and his children should suffer. Read it up. He cursed him. He cursed him. But he didn't fire him. He didn't fire him because he needed him. Right? Why he need him? Read some of those wars that they had. Without Yov, you know, 
there's a certain type of person that may be good in peace and not good in war. But there's a certain type of person who may be bad in peace, but good in war. And you need him. And Yov is the personification of that in the Torah and in the opinion of Chazal. What do I mean? It's a fascinating Mishnah. It's a Rambam. I mean, it's in the Mishnahis. When he talk, in Makkas, you know, when you talk about the Ari Miklat, and basically, it's like this. Once you're in the Ari Miklat, you're stuck there. You can't go anywhere. The Enu Yosei, it's in Perk Base. Enu Yosei, lo latest mitzvah, lo latest moment, lo latest nefashist. Person in the Ari Miklat can't leave if to testify. Afilu Yisrael Tzrichin lo, even if he's, if his presence is a national emergency, the Mishnah says, Afilu Sard Sovo Kiyol Ben Sruya. Right? Isn't that amazing? Even if it's a Yov ben Surya, that's the language in Mishnah. Notice to the Chazal, Yov was the personification of the indispensable man. Right? And uh, and the Rambam's language in Hilchus Ritzicha is funny. I feel a call Yisrael Tzrichin Lichuoso, even if Kla Yisrael needs his Yeshua, meaning his leadership in battle, the saber of the Arabs. You understand? Ki Yov ben Surya. So basically, uh, Yov was, was the man of necessity. You get it? You, you needed him in the battle. Now, by the way, I don't understand that din at all. Uh, I mean, I know what it means. Stalza for Suppose Israel today, God forbid, was attacked by the Iranians, the Arabs, all the rest of it. And they're going to wipe out the Jews. And there's a guy, Yov, in the Ari Miklat, for one reason or another. You're telling me, so, well, no, you can't call him out. I mean, come on, it's a national emergency. You understand? They, 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 they need him. They need him. You're going to tell me every, all the Jews should get killed because the one cable leader is stuck Ari Miklat? I would look for it. <laughs> I would look for another sheet. <laughs> you know? I will go with the Rambam, go with the Ravid. You know, you, you need Yoav. You understand? And if you read through the book of Shmuel, you see, on a fair number of occasions, the Jews were up the creek and Yoav got him out of it on the battlefield. Um, and Yov was really tough as I mentioned the other day when Edom stabbed Israel in the back Yov came down there spent six months and wiped out all the Edomite males and so he was the symbol of a national security you get it? national security and here's David saying like this he says you know he messed me over and therefore kill him take him down to hell now the Chazal are so bothered by this, because it seems very cynical, and it does, that they try to spin it. And according to Chazal, it means, if you execute him here, then his Averus will be paid for on Olam Haza, and he'll be able to go clean to Olam Habo. That's a very spiritualized shot, in which case David is looking for the Tova of Yoav. Uh, although when Shlomo comes to kill Yoav, Yehovah does it like this. Oh, great. You know, save me. Kill me over here so I'll go to Olam Haba clean. <laughs> Yehovah didn't like that shot. <laughs> right? uh, so it's pretty uh, shocking. So much so, no, it's so cynical that um, it's just interesting. I opened the Abarbanel, who's always very fascinating on this. This is from the beginning of Bukham Lachem. If you have the time and the interest, uh, you should read the long intro. It's very long as the Barbanel is, but it's, it's very interesting. It's extremely interesting. And his very mature and fascinating introduction to Melochim And uh, he goes 
in um, in quite detail to consider all the aspects of whether the period of kings was good or bad, period or not. But if you don't have the time, you just look at the puzzle. There's a nice edition of the Abarbanel on Tanakh that came out not that long ago from uh, Machon Hotzas Farm Mir, I guess. Uh, in nice print. It's not in the kudos, but everything's short of that. And uh, it's a very nice set. So what is it? It's from, yeah, from Mir. Uh, in Yerushalayim, you know. It's published in Tavshin Ayinal. And if you're at all a Tanakh person or interested in familiarized, that's the, that's the uh, environment I would suggest. And he is so bothered by all this. And the Chazal are all wondering, knows, what was the big deal? He said, well, he murdered um, Avner. Because the Gemara says, Gidem is Hechacholetzis. He lured Avner into a place. He asked him, Mashallah Aloha, which is someone who doesn't have hands, I guess. How would a lady like that perform Yibam? And, you know, you have to untie this shoe with your teeth. And she and as and as Avner bent down, Yav stabbed him. So no, he didn't take him in a fair fight. He took him under deceit. And the same thing with Amasa. If you read in Lachem Bays, I mean, Shmuel Bays, he called Amasa over. Amasa wasn't thinking too well. And Yav's sword <coughs> just happened to fall out of his uh, scabbard. And when he picked it up, he shoved it into Amasa's intestines, and it said the guts all spilled out over the place. So basically, Yov knew what to do when it comes to killing. Just like a chef can make can make uh, chalons in 10 different ways, Yov knew how to kill people <laughs> in 20 different ways. That was his specialty. But I'll tell you again, what did the Ramah say? I feel You need a guy with these skills. You may not need a guy with these skills to be a gabai for the aliyahs, but you need a guy for these skills to be on security squad, if you have a danger from terrorism, you get it? Now, uh, so David was was made to look bad by this, I guess. No, it's more complicated than that. This is actually a two-hour business. I'm not going to do that. But I'll just give you uh, two points. One is that there is a medrash, uh, Tankuma, that says David was really angry because Yoav... Um, exposed his hypocrisy in the David Bathsheba incident. If you recall, or you look up and re- look it up yourself, in the whole story of David Bathsheba, you know, he slept with Bathsheba, and then she got pregnant, but she was still married to Uriah, or or maybe yes, maybe no, depending on the get thing, but let's push her shots, he's married to Uriah. And then David said like this, he sends a letter to Yoav, a sealed letter with Uriah saying, when this guy comes to the front line, put him in the front line to get killed. And notice he's relying on Uriah, on Yoav to uh, carry this out and get the husband bumped off and not tell anybody. The whole point being, it should look like he was just killed in battle. Not to go and tell everybody, ha, 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 the king, because he's having an affair with the wife, had the husband killed, and here's the letter he sent me. And the Chazal say that Yov showed it off, which is doesn't say in the Tanakh at all, but it's a medrash. And uh, if that's the case, whoa, David is really angry, right? In other words, uh, uh, you know, he he publicly humiliated him in, in an unbelievable way. And uh, it's interesting, you know, Yov had like a sick sense of humor, because if you read the story in Shmuel Bays, when he sends a letter back reporting the death. He, or the report reporting the death, he tells the messenger, I remember this, he says, I want you to report to the king, 
um, the skirmishes we're having with the Bnei Ammon at the siege of Rabbah, which is Amman Jordan today, and tell him that there have been casualties on both sides. And if the king says to you, he tells the messenger, why did Yov allow, you know, Jewish soldiers to go in an exposed position where they may be shot by the enemy archers? Just tell him, oh, by the way, Uriah was killed too. And see what the what the uh, reaction is. Which means the messenger kind of got the idea also. And uh, Dove is trying to play along. So Dove says, well, you know, stuff happens in wars. But the indication seems to be, according to Chazal, that's my understanding of it, that Yo did not keep the secret. So that, now, by the way, he's not going to tell that to Shlomo on his deathbed. You know, then I was involved with your mother the first time I met her. And, you know, she was married to another person or something like that. The Yob was involved in all. Instead, he only brings up Avner and Amasa. That's how Chazal see it. Uh, the Abarbanel is very, very interesting. Uh, the Abarbanel, among all the commentators on Tanakh, actually was a politician. He held high office in many governments in, in Europe. And so he was very familiar with these kinds of matters. And he wants to put a very uh, innocent spin on it. And that's why I'm sharing this with you, because I don't think most people notice the Barbanel. And uh, it's it's a, a nice way of looking at it. And this is what he says. Hanir of Eli, Shadonenu David, Lo Tziva Shlomo Shiyarugas Yov, Velo Hashimi. Right? Al Ha'avonus Rishonim, Ashil Horgom Lechem. It doesn't actually say the words in the Haftorah today, kill Yoav and kill Shimi. Instead, there is what you call indirection. What does it say over here? Gama etc., etc. And he goes on to say like this. That can mean a lot of things. He tells his 12-year-old son, Follow according to your chachma, the lo sevoso. This is uh, unclear Hebrew. Do not let his old age go down. B'sholem sheol. Now, it certainly does sound like he's saying kill him. You know, Rashi says al tanichel amus misas atzmo Rashi says, you know, don't let him die a regular death because Yov is not old. I mean, excuse me, Yov is old. If David was seventy, Yov, you know, something like that. And um, but he didn't say the words kill him. And then he also says he named Shimon ben Gera, and there was Shim, who Kilani Kimron at Messes, and Shimon ben Gera cursed me when I was running away from Hashem. Viato Altani Kehu, again, is indirection. It's not direct words. He doesn't say kill him. Do not let him be clean. Kiish Chachamato, Viadato Asher Tasalo Vahoradato Asevaso Bedam Shaol. Again, you have this enigmatic expression. Make his old age go down, Badom Shaol. So, why did he say this? Targeu. Dr. Barbanel, because he never said that. Right? He never said that. Instead, what he said was, says, It's not true, he told his 12 year old son, such a dangerous policy to kill them. Lahomis, An Machuso. To bump off these powerful men at the beginning of his reign. Avol, instead, the Barbanel says, Hayadarta Kavanoso Lesapra Lishlomum Masha Osi Yov Shimi Nego. 
he was trying to warn his son not to be flattered by these two individuals because they had a bad record. And therefore, I want to warn you, 12 years old, not to let them gain power and influence in your throne. So he was saying, I want to tell you who Yoav is. I want to tell you who Shimi is. Yoav killed people when nobody was looking, and Shimi cursed me. So that you will know that you shouldn't allow them to be powerful under your reign, because they'll control you. So Shlomo shall be in guard against them. Lest they become too powerful for this young new king Shlomo. And they'll act to you the way they acted to me. So David is basically, according to Barmano, David is saying like this, I was too much of a softy. I let, I let too much things happen. And you shouldn't be like me. Right? You shouldn't be like me. Because Yoav got away with murder, literally. And Shimi got away with cursing a king, literally. And I don't want that to happen to you. Therefore, the Barbanel says, the whole idea of this Haftorah today is, Eitzah v'limud, a love, you know, giving advice, and that if they try to do you when you're king, what they did in my reign, don't be a softy like me, and punish them, and David said, I wasn't in a position to punish them, but I want you to be in a position to punish them if they do something wrong to you. Now that's not exactly how the story sounds, because it goes on afterwards to say, that, you know, Shlomo sent messengers and they killed, they killed Yov. And then he put Shimi on a short leash, and uh, the minute he violated, you know, he killed him. That everybody knows the story. But the Bible doesn't want to learn like that. He said the devil was a sage uh, politician. He was doing the best thing a father can do for the last will and testament. The best thing a father can do is say like this, I've lived a long life, I've had my ups and downs, I've had my good decisions, and I've made my mistakes. I'm going to share with you not to repeat my mistakes. What better thing can a parent do to a child? Right? Now, we don't usually do it because we're ashamed. But the best thing a parent can do to a child is to say, hey, listen, I've gotten some things right in life. I've got some things not. I'm sharing with you what I didn't get right, so you will not follow the same Mahalka I followed. That's very interesting. Right? Very interesting. Now, um, Shemi Ben-Gera is all partial by itself. I'll tell you what I mean. And then I'll let this go. David had a big rebellion at, towards the end of his life of Absalom. What's weird is that the whole country followed Absalom. That's strange. David was a king for 30-some years. Uh, a powerful king, you'd think. He ought to be popular. I mean, he beat the enemies. Yet, it seems they had peace and prosperity. And yet, the whole country was willing to rise up and support his son in his campaign to kill the father. That is definitely weird. Especially the from perspective. David Nachisrael, the, the owner of the, you know what I mean, of the, the runner of Tehillim, and he was such a big tzaddik, and so forth and so on. And people are willing to support a, a parasite, a son who wants to kill a father. That itself is unnatural, right? That itself is unnatural. So now she go and want to support a son. Kill father. Imagine today somebody's going, I'm, a, I'm getting a gun, I'm going to shoot my father. People say, oh, go for it, baby. They're nuts. So LMI, it had to be that uh, people were convinced that Dov was a Russia. 
I'm not saying it's true. I'm saying it again. People are convinced that um, that what go David was very wicked. There are many ways of explaining this. Achitovo was the evil genius behind all this. I don't have time to go into this in detail. Maybe some other time. The, the I'm not, I don't do Tanakh classes on here. I got myself up to three a week. I don't think I can do four. But uh, Achitovo was the evil genius behind all this business, and the public was convinced without David realizing it that um, they think he's the biggest, he's like a Bill Clinton, you know? The liar and an adulterer and a killer and a this, that, and the other. The murderer of the house of Saul. You know what I said? That he bumped off the whole family of Saul in a cynical way. Because Shimei ben Gerov threw stones at him and cursed him when he's running from Absalom. And he said, you are now getting what you deserve for being the murderer of the house of Saul. Now, Shimei ben Gerov was a big Talmud Chacham. According to somebody who's a God of Lador, And Chazal said he was the tutor of Shlomo, meaning with big Talmud Chacham. So as we would say today, if the Chazanich was convinced that Dabba was a Russia, what are you surprised that the regular guy, Hamunam, was convinced that Dabba was a Russia? So this was like a shock to David. Overall, it's part of the gigantic uh, mind game punishment for the sin of Bathsheba. David is, uh, nobody likes to be known that everybody hates them. You know what I mean? Those, that really puts you in a, in a blue funk. And David complains about this. Rabim Omrim Li Ain Lo Yishuasabal himself. The whole seaboard is saying that I'm wicked. But you, Hashem, no different. The dove is falling back. He's basically on the on the brink of of you know total depression and suicide He writes this in Tehillim. Right? It's not me, it's in Tehillim. Now, when it's all over, Absalom is dead, and David won. Listen closely to what I'm saying. Fine, that part is true. But, and then what happens? The Kalal Yisrael say, well, Avshalom's dead, we might as well go back to David. Meaning, it's not exactly like a ringing re-endorsement. It's not like you got re-elected for a second term with an overwhelming majority. It's once again like like, like what's the beginning of his reign. There's no other girl in town, let's go out on a date. Avshalom's gone. That whole policy of backing the sun is gone. David wasn't so bad, they said. You read him in Shmuel Beis. He said he saved us from our enemies. Okay, we'll take David back. So this is a real uh, bummer. And on the way back, it's not even clear all the tribes want him back. So if you're David, believe me, on the one hand, you would like to punish all the rebels. On the other hand, the whole Claudius role was rebels. He can't kill them all. Second of all, if he puts out that he's going to punish the people from the Abishalom Rebellion, people are not going to come back to him. And so iron political necessity requires him to put a smile on the face and say, all is forgiven, and I'm not going to hold it against anybody that they were, you know, against me. And it's just a bad blip on the screen. And really, David hates it. But he's got to smile, and he has to forgive people. And Shemi ben Gare rushes to him when he comes back to the Jordan River and says, forgive me for cursing you. Boy, would David like to kill him. But he can't do that. And he said, don't worry, I'm not going to I'm not going to hurt you. And that was a demonstrative act, because you can be sure that spread throughout Claudius, all like white fire, wildfire. And everybody heard, oh, he forgave Shemi, meaning that's a symbol that whatever people did under Absalom rebellion will not be held against them. So all over Israel, whoever was a mayor, whoever was a governor, whoever was an officer in the army, whoever was a, was, was a, was a, was a sheik, you know, uh, thing, they had all been for Absalom. 
They got to worry. Is, are they so on some kind of double hit list? No, no hit list. Everything is forgiven. So that's what you call policy. Politics is necessary. But it's not, not what he wanted. That's why he tells Shlomo, this guy Shimmy really messed me over, but I couldn't do anything against him. You see, but you figure out what to do. So really, he's David, you know, suffering his own pain, you might say. Uh, all these situations have to his own pain. Now, but the ultimate uh, point of all this is he's trying to tell Shlomo the full first rule of politics. And I don't mean this in a bit or cynical way. I mean, politics with a capital P, like Aristotle wrote the book. And that is, the first rule of politics has to be you reward your friends and punish your enemies. It has to be seen that if you support somebody like a king, there's a plus to it. If you don't, there's a minus to it. Yoav and Shimi, whatever their services were, whatever, you know, Shimi taught my son Gomorrah, Yoav was commander of the army. They went against me on certain things. Has to be seen as a punishment. Otherwise, people say like this, he got away with it, I'll get away with it. So you have to punish your enemies, reward your friends. Ironically, that is what Yoav told the David. Matter of fact, if you look over here, hold on for a second. Yeah, I just want to pull out a small base. It's, this is a delicious irony, you might say, if you're that type. In the story of Absalom, David says, don't kill my son. Yoav killed his son in battle. David was depressed when the soldiers came back. This is in chapter 19 of Shumal Beis. David is depressed, and Yoav is angry that David is depressed. He said, you better put a smile on the face for the soldiers who fought for you. Listen closely. By Yoav, Yoav, Amel Chabayis, Yoav walked into the room where David was crying, and he said, You have put a shame, a busha, on all your soldiers. Who saved your life. And saved your whole family. And then he says to Yoav, excuse me, Yoav says to him, You are violating the first rule of politics. Is that what you're doing today? Are you liking your enemies and hating your friends? We're the guys that fought for you. You're supposed to reward us. They're the guys who went against you. You're supposed to punish them. I killed Alshon. I killed the guys against you. You're going to punish me for killing the guy who was against you? You're going to violate the full rule of politics. He got it to Sounds like if Avshalom would have won, you'd be happy. You can't do that. See, here's David turning it a year or two, three eight later on Yov and saying, he killed those two guys. He went against me. And uh, now, has to be, tells Shlomo. Has to be. Somebody went against the king or hurt the king. There has to be a punishment. That's has to be a punishment. This is a very complex. I'm just touching on the Russia program over here. If you're interested, you'll look in the parsha itself. Very fascinating of Torah. I would make one last point. The Mishnah said, even if the whole Klaistral needs it, like you, it doesn't matter. Not so simple. When you look later on, when Shlomo later in his reign messes up and he has marries all those women and worships idols or he lets them worship idols, you know, it's like Pergut or something like that. So then the kingdom starts to fall apart uh, in the reign of Shlomo. And one of the first things that happened was that um, uh, Edom rebels against Shlomo and he can't suppress the rebellion. And it's very fascinating because it says that, uh, as I said before, Edom had stabbed Israel in the back during the reign of King David and he got him back. But he be Edom, Balos, Yo, Sarat, Sava, Lakabas, Chalolim, 
that when David sent Yov to bury the dead that the Edomites had killed in battle by stabbing in the back, Vayark called Zohar Bedom. So Yov killed all the males in Edom. He did it right. He stayed there for six months and killed everybody. And then the prince ran away, it says. Okay? The prince ran away. And then finally, uh, listen what it says. But then, He eventually heard that David died. And, he, and then the Yoav, the general, died. Oh, if Yov is no longer alive, then we have a chance. And then he goes back, you know, to, to uh, his country to lead a, a war of independence against the Jews. In other words, as long as Yov was alive, they were scared in their pants. I don't blame them. Because you don't mess with <laughs> You don't mess with Yov. You know what I'm saying? You don't mess with Yov. Because he goes nuclear. You understand? I remember a couple years ago listening to the radio while driving when the ISIS was going around, blowing up, doing stuff in, 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 uh, <laughs> in the Middle East. And they had some American general. This is when Obama was president. And the American general, he said, what's going to happen if the ISIS does X, Y, and, the, and Z? And the, the American general said, yes, we're going to have to go Old Testament on them. <laughs> Which means they're going to do a Yoab, go where the ISIS is and kill everybody. That was the image of Yoab. But anyway, you have this very fascinating, very complicated relationship revealed in this Parsha. I haven't done justice to it, but at least we touched the Rosh Prakim. With that, I wish you a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.